morning. My name is Steve, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, it's great to have you here at Door of Hope this morning. I'm on part of the team here. I'm the senior minister here at Door of Hope, and I have the privilege to lead us here this morning in the final of our series, Everybody Always. But just before I do, just before I do this morning, two quick updates. I wanted to quickly update you, as I do from time to time, in relation to our finances, and so regular people kind of just lean in just for a moment. Uh, currently, I want you to know that we are tracking better than normal for this time of year, uh, which is good news. Well done. Well done. That's the good news. <laughs> but we are just slightly behind budget. We, we're tracking better than normal. Uh, but we're just slightly behind the budget. And so with only 15 weeks until the end of the financial year, I certainly want to encourage you to finish the year strong as we are hoping to do. Is that okay? Fantastic. That's the first thing. The second thing I'd like to uh, talk to you about this morning is that uh, many of you know that we are beginning to uh, be we're beginning the work to replace the entire roof the entire roof of our building. And uh, this auditorium has already been completed, and it's time to begin the next stage. Now, the next stage is uh, the three different sections down our laneway. It's highlighted on the photo. Have we got the photo there? Fantastic. Uh, the three different sections down our laneway. You can see that all right? And uh, the bottom two start tomorrow, we want you to know that, and the top area, the Hope Discovery area, will begin on April 29, that's April 29, and so it all begins tomorrow, the team under Fenton Gardens leadership are keeping us all up to date uh, with progress via a blog, and I'd encourage each of us to check in often and stay aware and encourage the team along the way, is that Okay. I do want you to know, I want to be very transparent with you right now. These last couple of weeks have been extremely hard for the team who are really focusing on this job. And so uh, we really feel like the spiritual enemy has come from us at all different angles. And it just seems like, you know, um, things are stopping, uh, you know, all the time. And so we just really appreciate uh, if you've got time to pray with us and for this to continue moving forward. We'd really value your prayers at this time. Speaking of that, speaking of that. Um, we would really like to develop a prayer team um, uh, to this next 18 months or so uh, in regards to this particular project. And if you feel led to be a part of that prayer team, particularly, particularly in covering those who will be working at heights, and for the team, there's, there's so much um, uh, maneuvering, there's a lot of moving parts in all of this. We did warn you at the end of last year that this next couple of years for us around our site will be a year of construction, uh, both physically and spiritually. And so uh, feel free to contact Sandy Hart if you'd like to be a part of that prayer team moving forward. All right, uh, just a little test because uh, this is our eighth week and final week of our series, Everybody Always, and I certainly don't expect you to know, somebody, somebody might know, the first week we started off in this series, uh, do you remember the topic, what it was in week number one? Oh, yes, what was that? Honour, very good, honour, honour, everybody always. Week two, does anyone remember what we talked about on week two? Who said that? Yes, very good, Royce. Honor, then we go to love. This side's doing really well, okay? <laughs> Honor and love. Then we move to week number three. Very good. Who was that? Bless, very good. Honor, love, bless. Week number four, who was that? Ruth Morrison spoke. 
Present Christ. Yeah, present Christ. Very good. And week number five, many of us were away on camp in Ulverston, but Wayne spoke in Auditorium 2. It was entitled, Forgive. Forgive. Very good. Thanks, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I spoke on the topic of after forgive, it was to encourage. Very good. Thank you. Encourage and uh, Danny last week, of course, spoke on the topic of welcoming, welcoming everybody always. If you haven't been here for the series, each message pretty much stands out on its own, and so feel free to tap into our website, uh, our podcast, and we do welcome those who are participating online, wherever you might be. Uh, it's great to have you beaming in here in Launceston at Door of Hope Christian Church. Today, we're going to talk about how we can serve as we bring this series to close and how we can serve everybody always. But before we do that, we've got to go back to the days of Jesus. Are you there? Let's go back to the days of Jesus. What I mean by that is this. The Roman culture at the time of Jesus was spreading. It was spreading pretty fast. And they wanted world domination. And so to be a part of the Roman movement... It was centered around your identity. And there are seven classes of Roman identity. It's kind of like a hierarchy here, what I'm talking about this morning. As we look at this ladder, I don't know if we can get a shot of that somehow, that would be great. As we look at this ladder, this is how it worked. At the top, you have the Caesar. The Caesar. Now, the Caesar, wherever the Caesar went at the time, he had 24 elders who would follow him. In fact, these 24 elders would sing around him. They would sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. In fact, they would almost worship the Caesar. The Caesar, he had all authority and he had all the power. In fact, people thought of Caesar as a god. Then we kind of move down. We've got the Senate. The Senate were filled with 600 politicians. Did you hear me? 600 politicians who would govern the areas of Rome as they would continue to spread out and take rule and power of the then known world. Then the third group, we move down the ladder a little bit here. We've got the equestrians. These are the people who bought themselves in. They bought themselves into a place of power. You see, they had a certain amount of land and resources, that in fact, the equestrians, they could buy themselves power. Anyone wish they could do that today? (laughs) The equestrians could buy themselves power. And when they died, they could hand their seat down to one of their children in their family. The next group we've got is a group called the Decurion. The Decurion. These were the city politicians. These was the, the city senate. Now, as we look at these first four classes, just as if we could focus on these four, just for a moment. These four, first four classes represented just 3% of the Roman population. Just 3%. They held all the authority and the power. They were a minority but they had all the resources. And so there's this massive gap. If you could imagine a gap between the top four and the bottom three just for a moment. And let's go to the the fifth group of people. The fifth group, 
is the word citizen. And of course, what we're talking about is a Roman citizen, and they could uh, get them, that particular title could get them into certain places at the time. Then we go to the group of freedmen. Freedmen were people who had formerly been slaves or servants, which brings us to our final one, and that is of a servant. These are the seven classes of Roman identity, the servant being the lowest of the low. What we have to understand when we're looking at this particular chart here this morning is that Rome actually believed that if you did a few good things as a servant, that you would become a freedman. Then if you tried climbing the ladder, you could become a citizen. And if you did enough or made enough money and you could keep climbing, you could keep climbing and you could keep climbing that ladder. And so this is what we've got to understand. What Jesus enters into as he came into this world was a culture built on climbing ladders. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Where we have a whole bunch of people who are finding their identity in title or in position by climbing a ladder with a certain bank account or with a certain postcode, where you live and what you had. That's what your identity was in. And this is what Jesus comes into. This is the scene he comes into. And they begin to see, in fact, well, Jesus, he wasn't born in the best hospital. He he doesn't attend the best school that he's not wearing. He doesn't wear the finest of clothes. He enters in, where? In this ladder. He enters in, according to Philippians chapter 2, what was read to us before, as a servant, the lowest of low, in a city where the majority of people were illiterate. That's what Jesus is born into, which I think, as we think about that for a moment, says something about the heart of our God. It says something about the gospel. It says something about the good news, which brings us to what I'm going to call here this morning, it's essential, the three essentials. And the first essential, if we are going to serve everybody always, it starts with, according to Philippians chapter 2, with our mindset. Philippians chapter 2 says this, verse 5, Anna read to us so beautifully there this morning. It says, in your relationships, Paul writes, in your relationships with one another, have the same what? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same, say this with me, mindset as Christ Jesus. So it begins up here. It begins up here. How you view, how you see, how you understand everybody always must, we must have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, the, the, the passage goes on in verse 6 to 8 and says this, that who being, this is Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was not going to exploit others simply because he had the power to do. He was not going to use that towards what he could utilize his power for, to his own advantage. Rather, Scripture says, he made himself what? He made himself 
nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. What's the servant in this hierarchical chain? It's the lowest of low on this chain of command. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. You know, in Roman culture, the only thing that was worse than a servant was a servant who died publicly on a cross. In our culture, let's come back to Strasbourg for a moment. In our culture, we will serve people who will serve us back. And because of that, we try climbing the ladder for our own advantage. Jesus sat at the right hand of God. And as he looked at the world, he saw what was created was so beautiful, yet now was so broken. But he had all the power, Scripture teaches us. He had all the power of heaven, yet he humbled himself which teaches us the mindset that we must have when it comes to the topic we are talking about today, when we get to serve everybody always. So the question for me, for us this morning is this, what is your mindset? Is it to climb? Is it to take advantage? Is it finding your identity in how much you are paid? Is it your position or is it your title or is it the mindset of Christ with every relationship that we have? I remember as a young person going to different uh, friends, schools, parties and things like that as a young person, maybe in, in primary school and one of the areas in our city of Launceston I used to always love going to and you'll know what I'm talking about, my age and older, of a place in Launceston that was on the corner of Tamar Street and Cimeteer Street and it was called Roller World, very good. <laughs> Roller World. Does anyone remember Roller World? Fantastic. I realized it moved out to King's Meadows and then it kind of moved out to Mowbray. I think it's still kind of settled there. I think it might be under a different name. But I remember Roller World. I used to love going to Roller World. And there were a couple of games we used to play at Roller World as we go round and round and get really dizzy. But one of the games we used to play was a game called Monty. Monty, you remember that game? Had the cards and you used to have to go and choose your corner. And if your card came up, you'd be out or you'd remain. You remember, anyone remember that game? Monte Carlo. Another game, correct me if I'm wrong. Another game, they used to bring out the stick. What was that game called? And you had to go. The, the lim, what's it called? The limbo. The limbo. I'd always be out first. Because I'm not very limbo. 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 I'm not very limbo. <laughs> I'm just tall and lanky. And so these people, it was funny to watch. It was funny to watch Limbo. <laughs> some people would really get and some people, would, I won't do that, but some people would do the split, just in case I did. Some people would split and they would go really low. The idea behind Limbo is what? Is how low can you go? Very good. Is how low can you go? I remember those, ti- those times. It was great times. But this is what service is. This is what service, the question about service, serving everybody is, how low can you go? You see, once again, Jesus was at the top. But how low did he go? 
Scripture teaches us that he humbled himself. He became obedient. He put on human flesh and became that servant and went to the cross for you and I so you and I could be made right with God so you and I could experience an identity, not of climbing ladders, but an identity that has its mindset transformed to be what Christ desires you to be. And that's good news, right? That's good news. What's the first essential? It's that of a mindset. The second essential is our posture. Of serving everybody always is our posture. And what I mean by this is the posture of our hearts, the posture of your heart. Go back to that clip we just saw just a moment ago of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Let me kind of set the scene of what's happening there if I could as we read that. The people are gathering, it's festival time, it's Passover time, it's in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus is gathering the disciples together around a table, not a high table like you and I probably think. It's probably a lower table. In fact, it was probably on the ground and they were reclining. The food was being served, they were sharing stories. And Jesus begins to think, because this is the final 24 hours of his life, and he's beginning to think because he's been trying to share with his disciples and they're not getting it. And he's trying to share what's about to unfold with his own life. And he shares this story. It goes like this in John chapter 13. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put how many things? All things. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. There it is. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. Did you see that? This is symbolic. Let's suspect the scripture just here for a moment. What Jesus is starting to paint a picture of is that in which the disciples are about to see what's about to happen on the cross. This is symbolic. This is a symbolic act. It's more than just washing feet. Hang in there. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Once again, here they are seated. We saw the the clip there before. The food is there ready for them to consume. It's an intense day in all of human history. Jesus is trying to get them on the same page as him. This is the end game for Jesus, but the disciples are missing the point. The year was 2000. I had the privilege to do a little bit of short-term study over in the United States in a city called Chicago, incredible city. And this particular, it was was an eight-week season, and um, we knew that as a part of the course, we were going to head on downtown Chicago into a pretty rough area of Chicago. And it was a one-week or five-day mission trip And we all convoyed about 30 of us downtown Chicago into that area. And uh, as we were driving into the area, we certainly knew 
what we're about to come up against, and uh, we were going to serve at this homeless shelter, and we stayed, stayed at this homeless shelter, and uh, we'd go and serve the community, and uh, um, we'd do different activities together and with people of the community, and one thing we'd do each and every night is that we would serve a meal to the community. The homeless people would come. But as the serving of this community, each and every night, we observed one particular gentleman as a group, and we talked about this at night time, that this one particular gentleman who was homeless himself, we couldn't find a lot out about him, he had a German accent, he sat with his white singlet and his trousers, bald head, older gentleman, and he would serve everybody before he would be served himself. And we got the opportunity to serve. We also got the opportunity to be served by him. And so before he feeds himself, he took this posture that was not for him to go first, but he took the posture that I'm willing to go last. It was an incredible time. I remember you know, sleeping in our headquarters upstairs, and it was pretty dark and dingy, and there was nothing special about it. And and, uh, you know, broken glass and that neon flashing sign that would come through at night time and there was noise on the street. It was an experience that I will never, ever forget. Can you tell? And so it was an amazing experience. But if we're going to serve everybody always, we're going to ask ourselves, what's the posture? What's the posture of our heart? Is it a me first posture? Or is it a posture that allows ourselves to go last? And this is what Jesus does. Jesus steps away from the table and he takes off his outer robe. Press pause there for a moment. This is a symbolic act. What Jesus is doing here right now, he's trying to paint a picture for his disciples. This is what's about to happen to me. I'm about to be stripped naked. Stripped naked upon the cross. But just keep going this just for a moment because this gets a little awkward for the disciples. The disciples are starting to get, this is weird, this is strange, this is Awkward. Why? Because we want our heroes to be heroes. Where's Jesus? With his bowl and towel, serving the disciples. He's taking on the role of a servant. And we want our heroes to be cool. We want our heroes to be better than us. In fact, we want our heroes, somebody that we can admire. In fact, the disciples, they wanted a king. We want a king. We want a king. We don't want a servant. And so he starts to behave like a servant of the disciples. And this is what's confusing the disciples. And so he takes the bowl. And he takes the towel and he fills it. And one disciple at a time, he washes the feet. And he takes off the sandals. Some would wear sandals. Some wouldn't wear the sandals. And let's say he started with Andrew. Takes the disciples' sandals off and he bends down on his knees. And he starts to, to bless Andrew. He starts to pray for Andrew. And he starts to believe the best for Andrew. Often it would be a Gentile, a servant, who would do that. But Jesus, Jesus 
comes in as a servant and does that. And he would go to the next disciple and the next disciple. He'd go to Thomas. He'd go to uh, James and Simon and Judas and Peter and John and Philip, etc., etc. And so, which gets me thinking, by the way, it gets me thinking, who really, who really is around the table with Jesus? As Jesus gets on his knees and he takes off the sandals, who really is around this table? Well, the first, first person we can identify is a man who is about to betray him. So Jesus is serving that person who is about to betray him. Do you think Jesus knows that? A question for us to consider. When was the last time you served a person that you felt betrayed by? Then he takes the, the sandals off a person who, who doubts him. Who doubted what God was going to do through him. Hmm. Any of those people in your life? Too young. Too old. <laughs> you ever think you're going to make it through that kind of study? get that kind of education, that kind of career, you get what I mean. And here he is on his knees, he's serving that which who doubts him. The question is, when was the last time you served somebody who doubted you? Who else is at the table? Let's go with a trader. A trader, you see, a tax collector would often be referred to that of a trader because they would side more with Rome than they would with the Hebrew people. And Jesus took that posture on his knees where he would wash the trader's feet. He would serve. Who else is around that table? A denier. Somebody who denies Jesus. Peter. Peter. Peter's around that table. What does Jesus do? Jesus bends his knees. He's on his knees. He begins to wash Peter's feet. And Peter kind of struggles with this just, just a little bit. Why? Well, Peter kind of is coming from that angle that if you do this, if you do this from this level, you're saying that I'm better than you. And when you're saying I'm better than you, I find that hard, very hard to respect you. It's kind of breaking the rules. Aren't heroes heroes and servants servants? Let's just let that be. It doesn't work. And so Peter doesn't get that. You can't wash me. And so Jesus is dealing with the doubters. Jesus is dealing with the betrayers. He's dealing with the traitors. He's dealing with the deniers. He was dealing with his friends. People. Guess who he was dealing with? You and me were around that table. As he was looking into the eyes of Andrew, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Andrew, Philip, he was looking at you and I. And so here he was on his knees and he had the posture to serve everybody always. My question is, will you do that? Will you do that with those who don't vote like the way you vote? Will you serve them? Those who don't believe the same things you believe, will you serve them? Those people who have done things to hurt you, will you have the posture, the mindset and the posture in your heart to truly, willingly serve? You see, the mindset, what does that say? Remember, roll the world, 
how low can you go? Posture, the posture of your heart says, I will go last. It's not my agenda. And I will get on my knees no matter what it takes to serve. Verse 6 to 8 goes on. He says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. This is symbolic. This is symbolic. Jesus' response to Peter was, Peter, I see it. I know it. I know what you think. I know what you're going to do. I know it's not going to prevent me from serving you, Peter. And in Peter's, Peter's she was kind of taken back a little. It was kind of, well, wash everything. Wash, start from there. Start, wash everything of me, Jesus. And Jesus kind of said, no, Peter, Peter, just relax. Just relax. He said, I know you're bathing. That's what they did, by the way. They bathed. And so Peter would have bathed. But it's your feet. It's your feet. These dirty, stinking, smelly feet. Peter, Jesus is saying, I need to show you what service truly is all about. What's your mindset? What's the posture of your heart when it comes to serving everybody always? Can you serve the betrayers? Can you truly serve the deniers? Can you truly serve the, the doubters and the traitors? Or will you only serve people who will help you climb this ladder? What's your mindset and what's your posture? Verse 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The third essential, if you and I are going to serve everybody always with a mindset, with our posture, then it comes to action, taking action. Jesus is telling his disciple, yes, you call me teacher, and rightly so, you call me Lord. And if you say that with your words, then do. Then do what I do. If I welcome everybody always, guess what you've got to do? You've got to welcome everybody always. If I honor everybody always, you've got to honor everybody always. If I welcome, if I forgive, etc., etc., if I serve everybody, then you've got to serve everybody always. Do what I do. That is so critical to the church. So critical. He says, if you do this, you will be blessed. It's a beautiful word. What it means is it's the deepest level of satisfaction. It has nothing on what Mick Jagger was singing about. It's the deepest level of satisfaction. It's connected, by the way, with the favor of God. In a culture that's so good at climbing and climbing and climbing, the satisfaction, Jesus says that if your mindset is like mine, if your posture is like mine, and if you act like I act, you will find life. You will find favor. Philippians chapter 2, 
where he humbled himself, he emptied himself, became obedient to death and death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? He didn't come in power. He came in humility. And he came with that heart and posture to serve with that mindset that posture and that acting on it an easy way to remember might be this that mindset means to go low posture means to go last and action means to go love go low go last and go love this is our invitation that if we have that mindset of Christ and, and the, the posture of Jesus, the action to do what Jesus did, we will go low. We will go last and we will go love. And as a disciple, as a disciple, if you consider yourself that this morning, who is it you are going to serve? Who is it that you are going to take a bowl and towel this week within this next seven days, to go and wash their feet. Can I encourage you this morning, don't go safe. Go out of your comfort zone, where it's appropriate, of course. But don't forget to go low, go last, and go love. And when you do this, I guarantee you that it will be that mindset that you will need to take on if you become it will become your posture and it will become the way in which you live your life for everybody else always and guess what god does guess what he does as we go low he raises us up and instead of climbing ladders that we think brings satisfaction i'm not talking about not working hard by the way but as we get on our knees and we carry this basin and we carry the towel in every room that we go to in our neighborhood, in our workplace, or in our school. God does something in our heart which goes far, far more deeper. And that's what I want for you. As we go low, as we go last, but therefore we go and love in Jesus' name. Here brings the conclusion of our series, Everybody Always. Let me pray for us as we come into a time, as we come around that same table, just before I pray, just before I pray, I'd like to come back to this idea of this symbolic act, what Jesus was doing, because it comes back to the cross and it goes like this. You see, yes, washing the feet of his disciples was very important. Jesus is giving us that example of humility. Jesus is showing us how to put others first. He's showing us what servant leadership truly is. But is that it? Is that it? Do you read in the book of Acts, post-resurrection, that the disciples went around, went around washing people's feet? You won't find it. Because that wasn't the aim. You see, at the cross, this is what Jesus does. At the cross, Jesus washes everyone's feet. Everyone on earth has the capacity to be clean. And this is the invitation. Maybe it's the invitation to you here for the very first time this morning. We welcome you. Because post-resurrection, the disciples, guess what? They got it. They fled at the cross. They ran away. They scattered. They got it. 
and they took the good news around the then known world. And the good news was that God has washed your feet. (laughs) If only, if only you are willing to receive it. You see, Jesus sits with his disciples around that table with the bread and he says, this is my body, it's me. It's no longer the lamb, the Passover. It's no longer the unblemished lamb. But it's me, poured out for you, the sins, you are forgiven, you're restored into my family. And this whole Passover meal was set up so Jesus could turn up and say that I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. I'll cleanse you through my sacrifice. And by the way, many people were killed on crosses. There was nothing unique about the cross, but Jesus' death on the cross changed the world and history forever. What Jesus is setting up is that spiritual kingdom where he will be the king of kings. And by Jesus going to the cross, he has washed every person's feet. But we need to receive that in order to experience the cleansing and that freedom and that forgiveness. And we get to respond. Maybe in this next few moments is your opportunity to respond. So my question is this. Do you want to be clean? Same question similar to that of Peter, to Peter from Jesus. You can't be clean unless I wash you. It's symbolic. Let me pray. Father, first of all, we thank you for all that's accomplished on the cross. We thank you for Jesus, the suffering servant, but also conquering king. We thank you, Lord. Because of this, we repent of our sin right here, right now. Each and every heart, you are searching, you're intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And we want to commit ourselves to you once again. We receive that cleansing. And in this meal, we take it in remembrance for all that you've achieved upon the cross. We remember you in Jesus' name.